I enjoyed that. Sunday night was as close to pure joy as a sports fan as you're going to get. Yes, I am a Patriots fan. It is true. I try my best not to reveal my fanhood on this show. Try to be unbiased. Criticize Rob Gronkowski. Criticizing Julian Edelman. Criticizing James White. Oh no! Of course, it was James White who played the hero in the Super Bowl. The guy I called just a dude guy. The guy I said had only one special skill. The ability to drop wheel routes. James White, of all players, played the hero, and he should have been the MVP. The best running back performance in Super Bowl history, better than Roger Craig. So I may not love James White's talent profile, but I think he should have been the MVP of the Super Bowl. I go out of my way making a concerted effort to be even more objective when it comes to the Patriots because I love that team. It's my favorite team from childhood. Tony Eason and Steve Grogan throwing the ball to Irving Fryer, yes. And I remember those early 90s teams before Bill Parcells arrived when it was really bad. The 1-15 in 15 year. I have a subconscious affinity for the New England Patriots. But not only do I try to not allow my affinity for that team to influence my fantasy analysis, I try to not be a typical Patriots fan either. The typical entitled Patriots fan who thinks that the Patriots should win championships every year. The Red Sox should win the World Series every year. We're entitled to these championships. This is commonplace. Just making it to the championship game isn't enough. We need to win them. Even though every year you're competing with 31 other teams for one championship. Technically a 1 in 32 chance. For most franchises, the odds of winning seem impossible. But for Patriots fans, championships feel likely. And that attitude permeates the fan base and it creates douchebag Patriots fans. I get it. The Patriots are the Dallas Cowboys of the 2000s. The modern day dynasty with the entitled douchebag fan base just like the Dallas Cowboys. And I recognize it. When a Patriots fan follows me on Twitter and I see that Tom Brady avatar, I feel defeated. Oh, no. Please, no. No. Not a Patriots fan. Anyone but a Patriots fan. And I'm a Patriots fan. That's the beauty of it. And on Sunday night, it was just me and three other Patriots fans in a room watching the game completely focused. I rarely watch games all the way through completely focused. I tend to get distracted. I tend to start to interact with people on Twitter, often those in metrics Twitter, the analytical people. We start to delve into the minutia of some metric or statistic, and I end up missing the third quarter. That wasn't the case on Sunday night, though. It wasn't that I was with three other Patriots fans. I was with three other Patriots zealots who were also incredibly superstitious. And this is not how I am wired. I am not a superstitious fan. I am the hyper-rational fan mocking the superstitious fans. Really? The same socks? Really? You have to sit in the same seat? I can't move? Really? You do know that your hat has nothing to do with the outcome of this game, right? You realize how ridiculous you sound insisting that these superstitions matter. But when you're in the moment with three other superstitious fans, you get swept up in it. For the first quarter, I was aloof from the group. I was on my phone texting a live look at Dion Lewis's dynasty stock. 
It was just a smoking crater, mocking James White, wondering when the Patriots were going to throw him a wheel route that he would proceed to drop. But then a funny thing happened in the third quarter. Shared misery. We were apoplectic. Most of the hope was lost. I spoke up and said, I don't like our chances. And my friend Joe looked over at me and said, you think? And I was receiving texts from friends from New England, conceding the game was over. And I texted back, it's not over. In the third quarter, I did not think the game was over. I'm proud of that. I'm proud that I had the hope of the delusional sports fan, that the rational sports fan melted away in the second half. And then in the fourth quarter, I'm jumping up from my chair. I'm holding hands. My arms are around these guys. We were huddled together. Just four bros reveling in the greatest comeback in NFL history, living in the moment, not dissecting the statistical minutiae. And it was glorious. Glorious. I never moved from the seat that I had switched to earlier that helped to propel the Patriots forward. I was on board with the superstition in the second half. All rational thought processes were just thrown to the side, and I was with the group. I was rowing right with everybody else. Let's do this. Let's do this. So for one half of football, I was just a regular fan. I was normal. It felt normal to not move from my chair because when I was sitting in that particular position, the Patriots were scoring. And then it happened. We won. We won. And I'm not the wee guy. When the Patriots score, my first inclination is not to say we scored. I'm not the wee guy. No one likes the wee guy. You're not part of the Patriots. You're just a fan. But on Sunday night, I felt like a part of the Patriots. I became a wee guy. I became a normal fan. And it felt so good. But after the game was over and we were decompressing, recounting the drives that led us to the championship, all the events that stacked up in the second half that allowed us to get that game to overtime and eventually win. It was another half an hour of decompression just talking about what happened, collectively trying to understand what we just witnessed because it defied rational thought. It defied probability. The moment I decided to stop being clinical football analyst guy, the improbable happened. But once we decompressed, I sat back in my chair Pulled my phone out. I hadn't looked at it in over an hour. And I go to my Twitter timeline. And who's on my Twitter timeline? My fellow football nerds. The quants of the football industry. That's primarily who I follow. And what are they talking about? The ESPN win probability chart. Of course, because of course. They're talking about the win probabilities. Why not? Back to reality. A short respite for Matt Kelly from consuming football analytically. And as I'm scrolling down, I was right back in it, like a comfortable glove, just sliding right back into football analytics. Because when you look at the win probabilities, trailing by 25 points or more in the third quarter, what the Patriots did was nearly, nearly unprecedented. Looking back at all the games played in the NFL, all the instances in which a team was trailing by 25 points or more in the third quarter, the Patriots had a .5% chance of winning that game. Less than a .5% chance. 
So how did they do it? Well, they defied the odds, first of all. Nobody that was watching that game thought the Patriots were going to win. Nobody. We had some hope in that room where I was watching it. But if anyone had to bet real money, they would have bet on the Atlanta Falcons at that particular point in the game because the Patriots had a 0.5% chance of winning, right? Right? No, no. Because some of the more analytical analysts on my timeline were correct in their objection to the aggressive way that ESPN presents its win probability chart. Looking back through time at all the instances in which a team was up 25, is that really the optimal way to calculate a probability that a team can come back from down 25? The answer is no. And you probably can guess why if you listen to the show with any kind of frequency. The sample size just isn't big enough. There haven't been enough games played to provide a large enough sample set of situations if you're only drawing from a pool of games. There have not been that many football games played. If the sample pool is a pool of games, you're not going to be able to benefit from the law of large numbers. So the win probabilities that you're seeing on Twitter are flawed due to overfitting. They're pulling a pool of games with a very precise set of requirements. And the sample ends up being too small to provide an accurate reflection of what's possible on a football field. That's the crux of the issue. The way to improve it is to create a database of NFL drives and then link those drives together. If you're down 16, what is the probability that a team can score, get a stop, score again, and convert a two-point conversion in both cases? So by calculating the probability of a team scoring a particular number of points at any given drive and linking that to other scoring, not scoring contingencies for both teams, you'll see the probability of the Patriots coming back from down 26 in the third quarter, down 16 in the fourth quarter, was actually greater than 0.5%. Using the technique I just outlined, it would narrow the range of probabilities throughout the game. You wouldn't have this ridiculous chart that goes from 0.5% up to 99% within a five-minute span. When you see a probability chart spike wildly from top to bottom, that's an indication that the pool of data that it's pulling from, in this case, games back through time, is not large enough. And those edge case probabilities are too extreme. Now you might say, well, why doesn't Player Profiler develop its own system of win probabilities? I'm sure we will at some point, but that's not easy. What I just outlined would create a big data dilemma. It would be a lot of work to collect that much data, and it would require the processing power to publish the probabilities in real time. Those are challenges that I'm not prepared to tackle at this time with playerprofiler.com, but that is the future. And if someone else wants to develop it, go ahead. I'm not proprietary with these ideas. I just want to see a better win probability model created. Now, many of you have asked how you can support the show. You want to support Roto Underworld Radio, and I'm so grateful for that. The best way to support this show is to go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and search Podfather and join the Minion program. If you join the program, you will receive either a t-shirt or a hoodie from me, Roto Underworld, and the eyes blazed on the front. You can submit questions that I will read on air. I host a patron-only show on Fridays called The Backstage Pass. So if you're not a minion, 
If you haven't signed up as a patron yet, you're missing one show a week. Also, we're launching a Minion Dynasty League for patrons only. We have eight signed up now, four spots remain. So the sooner you sign up to be a patron, the sooner you can join that Dynasty League, get a Roto Underworld t-shirt, get your questions answered on the show, essentially becoming a de facto producer of Roto Underworld Radio, and get access to the Backstage Pass. Now, if you don't want to support the show via Patreon, if you don't like the idea that your credit card will be charged $6 a month, you can just send us a one-time payment for a full year of the program. That's fine, too. We accept Venmo. We accept PayPal. Either way, I want to get you in the program so that you can feel good about listening to this show and that you don't feel like a free rider. And I'm in another Dynasty League that I do not administer. Most of the Dynasty Leagues that I participate in, I am also the commissioner or the administrator, mostly because it's very difficult to find two quarterback and super flex leagues. I only play in two quarterback and super flex leagues. If it's a single quarterback league, the only reason I would ever join is if it's experts only. And then I'm playing in the league for marketing purposes. I can rationalize it. But otherwise, I'm only interested in playing in leagues where quarterbacks matter. So I'm in a two-quarterback league that was 10 teams. And the league administrator decided he wanted to expand the league to 12 teams. Great. However, I disagreed with his approach. Because in this particular league, my team was stacked top to bottom. Not a lot of studs, but a lot of high-quality players. In my opinion, it was the deepest team in this league. And there's a lot of great dudes in this league. Josh Lake from 2QBs.com is in this league. Jeff Miller from Dynasty League Football is in this league. A bunch of owners that I like and respect. The league administrator is a good guy, and he recognized that the league expansion would hurt my roster more than any other. And I appreciated the fact that he went out of his way to recognize that. In order to facilitate expansion, I was being forced to jettison 10 players, whittle a team of 28 down to 18. The problem is the bottom of my roster included players like Tyreek Hill, Cameron Meredith, Quincy Inunua, Tyler Lockett, Brashad Perriman, Robbie Anderson. Young players with upside. Young players that Dynasty Leaguers covet. Those are the players you want in your developmental slots. But I couldn't keep 10 of them. So my team was disproportionately impacted by this poorly conceived expansion initiative. Also, an arbitrary rule was passed that you could only hold and roster three quarterbacks. I happen to have four starting quarterbacks on my roster. So the expansion initiative impacted me the most. But did I complain on the message board? No. You'll hear no bitching from me. Why? Because I'm an adult. That's why. Because complaining on message boards about league rules and about trades is lame. It's something that children do. Whining and complaining about fantasy football. Fantasy football, the least serious activity in our entire society. Fantasy football is already a colossal waste of time. So much so that it is a drain on the American workforce's productivity numbers. Now, think about what a waste of time it is for you to complain about that particular activity in a public forum. It's something you would expect from a child, not from an adult. I have a mortgage. I have a daughter. I am an adult. I do not spend time complaining on message boards about fantasy football. So instead, I rolled up my sleeves, 
literally rolled my sleeves up. My sleeves were down. I read the email about league expansion. I decided to roll these sleeves up. And I went through the process of proposing three-for-one trades, win-wins for those that didn't have the depth of talent on their rosters that I did. And what happened? Multiple trades were accepted, and the owners I didn't trade with complained on the message board because of course. Of course! I got an email today from Daniel Lindsay alerting me that he's still waiting for an explanation of my Duke Johnson trade and my Kenny Britt trade. I traded Robbie Anderson, Quincy Inunua, and Brandon Marshall for Kenny Britt. Why? Because Kenny Britt was one of the best players in the NFL last year, plus 36.5 target premium, number two in the league. The target premium factors out quarterback play. You can imagine Kenny Britt going to literally any other team and becoming a wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside. That's Kenny Britt. This is an exciting time for Kenny Britt dynasty owners because no matter what team he lands on, it will be a dramatic improvement from the LA Rams. Get Kenny Britt in dynasty. And that's exactly what I did. Duke Johnson led the NFL in yards per touch last year. So, of course, I'm going to trade Jared Goff and Latavius Murray for Duke Johnson. Of my four quarterbacks, Jared Goff was clearly the worst. And once it was announced you could only keep three quarterbacks, there was no market for Goff because most teams already had three starting quarterbacks on their roster. I was completely fucked. But luckily, I found a suitor for Goff and Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray, who was revealed last year to be a poor man's Lamar Miller, an even faker bell cow. His touches were reduced from 2015. And there were weeks in which he was outscored by either DeAndre Washington or Jalen Richard. These trades helped me reduce my roster down to 18 and improve the talent on a per-player basis. Those were my goals, and those are what I achieved. And Daniel Lindsay, at Bitter Packer Fan, wants me to explain this to him. He feels entitled. He should be one of the beneficiaries of my fire sale. He feels entitled to an explanation from me. And I can tell you, there's one thing that Daniel Lindsay will never get. And that is an explanation from me about why I did this trade. Who the hell is Daniel Lindsay to think that I answer to him? The level of entitlement in this request, the level of arrogance in this request, is stunning. And then I find out that he's been mocking me on the message board, lamenting these unfair trades. Oh, you didn't get enough for Jared Goff. I wanted Jared Goff. Why didn't you trade with me? Mom! Mom! Matt Kelly's trading with other people that he likes better than me. I wanted Jared Goff. Did you have Duke Johnson on your team, who I love? No, you didn't. Did you read the terms of the expansion draft? No, you didn't. Don't you know I have to cut my roster down to 18? Wake up. I'm not your fantasy football babysitter, Daniel at Bitter Packer fan. We need to troll Daniel Lindsay. Everyone, pull up your Twitter and send a tweet to at Bitter Packer fan. Don't be mean. Send him something clever. Mention Kenny Britt. Mention Duke Johnson. Let's educate Daniel Lindsay because clearly he's never heard of playerprofiler.com. 
He doesn't listen to Roto Underworld Radio. And the beauty is, because he doesn't listen to the show, I am justifying my trade to everyone except Daniel Lindsay. Because I am not accountable to your ignorance, Daniel. It's not my problem you don't know how good Duke Johnson is and you don't know how bad Latavius Murray is. It's not my problem you don't know how good Kenny Britt is and how his situation will improve dramatically in the next couple months. These are not my problems. I don't answer to you. You're not my father. You're a child. I have over 10,000 followers. I have a website that gets over 2 million hits per year. I have a podcast that 10,000 people download. What are your credentials? Because you're positioning yourself as an authority. You have determined that I was fleeced, that I am player dumping, that I am not getting enough value in return. You are the authority, Daniel. Clearly, you're the authority. Read these message board posts. Quote, I'm not a proponent of vetoes in any league, but this was ridiculous. It's an obviously unfair trade. Someone else wrote, Murray is better than Duke by a wide margin. <laughs> what? <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? The idea that Latavius Murray is significantly better than Duke Johnson. This is why Dynasty Leagues are so easy to win. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. All that matters is how I value these running backs. And I've posted my valuations of all running backs on playerprofiler.com forward slash player dash rankings. All anyone in any league needs to do is go to that website, subscribe to playerprofiler.com, and there you'll see that I have Duke Johnson as a top 20 running back, and I have Latavius Murray outside the top 20. So no, I do not think that Latavius Murray is a better dynasty asset than Duke Johnson. What? <laughs> Just silly, silly thing to say. And it would make sense that the person said it would have the handle bitter Packer fan. Because he is quite clearly bitter. My question is, is he just bitter or is he butthurt? Do a poll. Contact the show at Roto Underworld or email us, rotounderworld at gmail.com. Is Daniel Lindsay bitter or butthurt? What an apropos Twitter handle. Because he goes on. If there can't at least be a vote on vetoing this trade, so a vote for a vote, if we can't at least vote on voting, well, that really affects the balance of this league because wherever Jared Goff goes, that team has a huge advantage. <laughs> Disrupted the competitive balance of the league. League integrity gone now that Jared Goff has changed teams. <laughs> This is the best part. Wait for it. Wait for it. This is the best. My favorite part. Are you ready? Roto Underworld audience, are you ready? Are you ready for Daniel Lindsay to activate his hyperbole machine? Brinksmanship on the behalf of at bitter Packer fan. Are you ready? <laughs> if we don't have a vote on vetoing this trade, I don't know if I can play in this league anymore. I just don't know. I don't know. I just don't think I can. Jared Goff! Ah! He's gone! He changed teams! No! The horror! 
I can't play in a league like this. Have you no integrity, Fantasy Mansion? Where is your soul, Bot Father? Your ethics? Your morality? I don't think I can play in this league anymore. That message board post, courtesy of at ButthurtPackerFan. And now, Daniel Lindsay wants me to explain myself. I need to carve time out of my day to justify a fantasy football trade to Daniel Lindsay. That sounds like a great use of time, doesn't it? Because he is the great authority of player valuation. Yes, yes. He knows who will score more fantasy points for the rest of their career. Yes, yes. Daniel Lindsay, the human lifetime value calculator. And who am I? What are my credentials? What do I know about player valuations? What are my credentials? You're asking me to explain myself to justify these trades. You need an explanation, Daniel. Who the hell are you to ask me for an explanation? What have you done? How many followers do you have? Point me to your website. How do I listen to your fantasy football podcast? That's what I thought.